0: I'd really rather lose the business today than lose them as a customer tomorrow when the things that they buy don't perform as promised because we ended up cutting corners to save a buck.
1: Welcome, Welcome to the Service MVP podcast. This, this is where you go to learn how to use Pure Motive Service to create higher value to grow your results. Grow your results. And now, here is your host America's service sales coach, Joe Crisera. Welcome to the service MVP podcast. And I am Joe Crisera, America's service sales coach. And we have with me today, one of my very best friends, Drew Cameron from Flow Odyssey. Drew, say hi to all the people who are listening to our show.
0: Well, hello everybody. And thank you for having me, Joe. I greatly appreciate that. And, And likewise, you're one of my best friends in the industry as well.
1: I'm not sure if everybody realizes this, but, you know, Drew and I have a relationship to go back as far as 2001. When I sat in a class of his, one of the very first high-level classes I've ever taken, and definitely I still apply many of those lessons today that you taught me, Drew. So thank you so much for getting me started with this. And, you know, Drew is one of the uh, people who got me started with helping service professionals achieve great results. So thank you so much for that, Drew.
0: Not my pleasure. And uh, it was a Privileged to do it at the time and uh, just enjoy seeing what you're doing. And uh, I kind of think of you as my uh, my brother on the West Coast, kind of making the impact that I'm trying to make. And uh, all we're doing is just elevating contractors.
1: Well, Drew, uh, it's been uh, you know definitely over 20 years you've been doing uh, this exercise by helping service professionals. And today we are going to talk about a, a very important subject, which is the elevated consumer buying experience. Uh, Drew, uh, would you like to go ahead and uh, just give me a little bit of an overview about what you'd like to provide uh, with uh, this episode so that our listeners can get the best results possible?
0: Sure. Uh, you know, when we talk about the elevated consumer buying experience, we, you know, really what we're talking about is sales. And everybody talks about sales and selling and the sales process. And I think there's a a little bit of a misnomer, a misunderstanding. And we use those words because we know them and we understand them. And we know what that means in the the world of contracting or even in just in the world of commerce. right? But I think when it comes to the in-home experience and specifically with the sales professional, not necessarily the technician, because I think that's a different model uh, that we approach. And can have a conversation another time about that. But we talk about sending in a comfort advisor or design tech, you know, somebody who is focused on that side of the business, running either a tech flipped lead or a marketed lead. What the consumer buying experience is, it's a, an evidence-based approach to teach customers how to buy and where value comes from so that they get what they truly want and pay for. Because I want the customer to you know, to understand why the scope of work has to be what it must be. And that any shortcuts will lead to headaches and heartbreak sometime after the purchase, when what they buy doesn't do exactly what they expect it to do, because happiness is all about expectations. And so I, I'd really rather lose the business today than lose them as a customer tomorrow when the things that they buy don't perform as promised because we ended up cutting corners to save a buck. And that's just something that you know I and my, my clients would never do. Um, and it's also how we offer a hundred percent, you know, unconditional happiness money back guarantee and no surprises, no compromises, no excuses guarantee. You know that whatever isn't, you know, whatever isn't working up to their expectations, you know, we're going to make it right uh, all the way up to a hundred percent of a refund. Because I believe the myth of sales is that you know that we actually sell something. I believe people choose to buy or they choose not to buy for their reasons and on their timeline, and my job is to align myself with their process and not afflict, inflict my process, you know, upon them because I want to make a sale or fill a crew day to get a result that I desire. I want them to get the result that they desire. So it's a subtle, subtle paradigm shift, Joe.
1: Well, you know, it's something that I know that goes back in your family history with uh, your, your father, uh, John, John Cameron, right? Yep. Yeah. Who probably had, who you told me he had, he had the theory, if you can't do it right, don't do it at all. Right. And yeah. so I think I heard you say to me early in the process when you're teaching me, I'd rather turn you down than let you down. Right. Does that make sense? <laughs> and, uh, and this is a really a good pro- approach. It's like sometimes uh, the hardest part of sales is uh, being able to guide people the right direction, because I think most consumers have a self-inflicted wound. That, would you say that's a, a fair statement that most consumers, when they don't get the service they want, that it was mostly a self-inflicted wound because they didn't really shop in a most, more effective way?
0: Yeah, but it's also because I don't think a consumer really knows how to do it, right? And then I think that's kind of the you know the thing. I think that's why comparisons, customers do comparison shop, right? They they don't know any other way. Uh, it's it's the way that they know how to buy cars, electronics, appliances, groceries, clothing. And and no one tells them that comparison shopping is the worst thing you could do when it comes to the, you know, something that has to have, you know, workmanship or craftsmanship or craftspersonship to be you know politically correct, right? and comparison shopping is the worst you can do, right?
1: Explain that, Grudy, a little bit, expand a little bit more. How is shopping for a service different than shopping for an item on Amazon or a commodity, you would call it? I mean, let's just expand a little bit more on that as to why is that such a difference uh, between those two things.
0: Yeah, great question, because, you know, all the value in the thing, right, the appliance, the car, the electronics, the groceries, the clothing, all the value is in the thing. And for us in the service and really the design, the service, the installation business, the personship business, if you will, all the value of the things comes from the people and the processes, right? And the service, you know, of that. And so it's not in the things, but the customer doesn't know any better. And most contractors go out there and sell those things anyway, right? They focus on the boxes, the brands, the models, the efficiencies, the capacities, and those things are really just you really think about it, those ratings are a matter of potential from the manufacturer. The contractor, through their processes and people and design and whatnot, and and then practices of putting things in and service and maintaining them, ultimately determine the performance. And at the end of the day, that's what the customer wants is the performance. But the contractor sells the brand, and they ultimately commoditize that decision. And so customers know no better. And so they end up comparison shopping it.
1: Yeah. So to get the elevated consumer buying experience, it's going to take somebody who's able to kind of fight upstream against that paradigm where people are trying to commoditize it and turn it into a thing because service is done by people. And so in a way you are shopping for the right person. We don't really realize it. We think we're looking at the furnace or a tankless water heater or electrical panel, whatever it is we're trying to do. But knowing we don't realize that, The person who does it is the most important element of of the service rather than the the parts itself. Is that correct?
0: A hundred percent, exactly. You know, I mean, unfortunately, you know, as well as I do, as long as we've been doing this, sales is not a bad thing and selling is not a bad thing. It's an honorable profession. And salespeople, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I people, a lot of people say nothing happens until somebody sells something. I say nothing happens until somebody buys something. And it's usually from a salesperson, right? And so it's an honorable profession. It's got a bad stigma. And so when people go out there and talk to salespeople, consumers, I should say, go out and talk to salespeople, it's like they, it's almost like they shut away the person that they need the most. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, because that person's responsible for your ultimate happiness. But because you've gotten triggered in buying cars or appliances and things elsewhere, you don't realize how important the contractor salesperson truly is to your ultimate happiness. And quite frankly, I don't think the contractors truly realize how important they are to the customer's ultimate happiness,
1: yeah. I think there's a balance between the technical solution that people are you know that's they represent this uh, in the in the service trades. By the technical solution, you know, with the equipment or whatnot, and the materials, and then the balance between that and the people. I think most of the industry is out of balance because they have focused on uh, the, the manufacturers, the one who sponsored all their training mostly, and that's <laughs> why they wind up, and that's kind of a cycle. So, So, so this cycle of you know, as long as long as you and I have been doing this, and I've you know I've been doing it for oh, just as long as you have. Like I said, we're kind of bro- we could be brothers, literally, in both. You uh, you probably be my my slightly younger brother, but nonetheless, <laughs> uh, and you're better looking one too, as I could probably tell you. Uh, uh, so uh, I'll give you that. Uh, you know the how can the contractor break the cycle? That's been going on. And uh, there are a few people who have broken this cycle, obviously, and, you know, people sure. who are following training like yours and, and our mine and our training uh, yeah. have learned how to break that stuff. So tell us what is the way that you can give us uh, some nuggets uh, that people can do to break that cycle of utility where people focus on the equipment and materials rather than focusing on that relationship, which is what you're really getting.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's that that is that relationship. And that's why I love about what you're doing with, you know, the service MVP and the total immersion uh, approach with, you know, pure mode of service because you're of the same mindset. That philosophy and psychology is, you know, I am here to serve. I'm here to help if I can. I don't know if I can. I don't know if you want me to. There is certainly a a price to pay for that, but I think how we break the cycle is is to stop selling and be compelling. Because when you're compelling, there's no comparison. And and so You know, if we go about go about our job about being compelling in our approach to the home and the people and the system, and we teach people how to buy and where value comes from versus trying to sell them, teach them the process that they should go through when picking a contractor. Because we, as we already said a little bit earlier, the most important decision you get to make is the person who you invite into your home to design this, configure the solution, the parts and the pieces and the labor component, right? and then have the installation done, and then have that installation verified after the fact, test out, right? verification, I think that's important. Ultimately then leads to customer confirmation. That's where you get the review and or referral, right? Because you'll know if they're happy. I mean, because every customer is a author and a critic nowadays with the power of the review and social media. Mm -hmm. And so I think if you basically teach customers how to buy and where value comes from, and that the house is a system, and we look at the people, we look at the building envelope, and we look at the equipment and the and the duct system and the uh, any of the you know the fuel or the electrical uh, assembly that's uh, you know attached to it, and we approach it by gathering data, so that we can then take that data from sizing the equipment, designing airflow, even looking at air quality, and we can gather that, plug that into some software tools that we now have available to us as contractors, and. Build an evidence-based approach to back up what I share, because then that way it's not my opinion. All contractors have their opinions and give proposals on their on their opinions. We're backing our opinions up with math, facts, science, data, right? Thermodynamics and physics. Because I'm I'm not going to just tell you you need a certain size piece of equipment, a certain amount of airflow, and certain duct modifications and certain air quality things. I'm going to have reports that back it all up right? And we're going to teach them that our people and our processes ultimately is what determine the performance, which is the real product, because you buy the outcomes and the results is what people pay for and what they want. They get the things. They don't want the things. Nobody wants a furniture, or an air conditioner or ductwork or electrical panel, right? They want the outputs of those things. Mm-hmm. So uh, what is the thing?
1: <clears throat> I mean, I can understand that the competence in terms of the uh, solution and doing things, I say compelling to me means that what's compelling to me is when I see somebody do something different than everybody else yeah. is doing it. That's that's kind of raises my uh, compelling meter, if you will, right? Yeah. Uh, and so how important is commitment to the process by the service provider to make your case compelling? Tell me about that.
0: Oh, I love the question. It's a fant- fantastic one because, yes, you have to be committed to the process and your process is designed to teach them how to buy. So it aligns with what they wanna do. It teaches them how to pick a contractor, what the scope of work should be, the standards that they shouldn't compromise on. And so when you stay committed to that, um, you'll get the right results because your intention is right. And sometimes the right result is you not earning their business and you have to be okay with that. As long as you've basically done the best that you could to teach them how to buy and make a good buying decision, if they make what they feel is a good buying decision, then you should be happy, right? I mean, I don't care what they do as long as they do it knowingly. And I don't compromise my process no matter how busy it gets, how hot it gets, what the calendar shows, right? I mean, I, we don't run around run any more than two to three new opportunities per day, max, because that allows me to stay true to my process. It's when you start giving salespeople four, five, six opportunities a day, they just start burning through the opportunities. And they go away, and they violate this commitment that you're talking about.
1: Yeah, because you're giving them—it's like this—the the amount of calls uh, being flooded, and the people make the, each call seem like it's less important, and each relationship less. It dilutes the relationships that it seems like you create with people, you know. And it kind of start goes full circle. To we'll say what you know, your dad said, which is that uh, rather turn you down to let you down, right? Uh, yep. I guess that's the way we can gauge commitment, Drew. How many? I mean, you're the Probably that's why it was compelling about you when I first met you in 2001. You're the first person who ever said it's okay to tell the customer no. Like it's it's, <laughs> it's okay to tell them if you want to do it that way, we'd have you'd have to call somebody else, or you'd be able to in a way. Uh, so would you say that's kind of like the defining moment? Sales salespeople who are really more of a service person who says you know if we're going to do it, let's do it right. If I'm not gonna, if we're going to do it wrong, you're going to have to use somebody else. I mean, Drew, uh, how many how many how often. Would you say on a a normal sales cycle or look somebody does a week worth of calls that a salesperson is going to wind up telling a customer, listen, we need to stay true to this process. And if you're going to do it that way, we're going to have to tell you uh, to find somebody else or we have to move it. You have to move a different direction or, you know, as as nice as you can say it, uh, you're going to have to say uh, we're going to move this direction instead, because that's really what it's about is that early in the call. Move in the right direction. So, Drew how how can you gauge that level of commitment by a service provider? When I know you you coach a lot of salespeople, as so you could probably tell me this the best. What's your method of making sure that you get your pulse on the guy to make sure that he is committed to that process?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want them to be so desperate that they're trying to make a sale. I mean, I again, I think playing you know that game is kind of the uh, the finite you know game, as they say, right? It's like you're you're trying to get a result, you're trying to get a sale, you're trying to get a commission. You know, and, and they and they use that type of language instead of really using that the language that you talk about, which is being you know pure of heart, right? They're in it for the customer, and if if I teach the customer how to buy, and I teach them the standards that they shouldn't compromise for compromise on, and they, and I teach them how to pick a good contractor, what makes a good contractor, and it's like you don't have to do business with me, but you should do business with somebody like me, and you know. I, Do I want to earn your business? Sure. If it makes sense. And because I have to earn their business, but they also have to earn the right to do business with me, as you were saying, right? So if you want to do it wrong, then we may not be the the company for you and that's okay. And so how I gauge it is, are you willing to walk away if the customer is basically, you know, you know, trying to compromise the integrity of the approach Mm -hmm. because it's like, why would I go into a house and tell you, you need to modify your ductwork uh, you know, when you replace the equipment? And then you say, well, Drew, I, you know, I, I want to do business with you, but I really don't want to spend the extra $3,500 on modifying the ductwork. And if you were basically willing to say yes to that, then you're the wrong guy. You're the wrong person for the team, right? Yeah. Because
1: Cause you're, cause you're putting a burden on the team. Uh, and then the team is wondering, what the heck is the sales guy selling? This isn't going to work with a fourteen by eight return drop on the hundred thousand BTU furnace, right? There, yeah. the, the team questions your credibility too. Not only does the external client, but now the internal client too.
0: Yeah, you got to stay committed to, to doing the right things, you know, for people, the right things for the company. And and like I said, when you stay committed, like I said, I, I think when you are so committed, and and you leave no room for to vacillate um you know people start you know customers start to kind of say hmm you know maybe it, maybe i shouldn't not do the duck work <laughs> you know yeah. i probably should listen to them now you know cuz i mean he's he's willing to walk away
1: yeah yeah I think it shows like when you're, when the salesperson starts calling his boss, it shows he's not committed because if you're committed, you don't have to call your boss. You know what I stand for. And that's it. That's why I look at that. Drew, I have one question for you. I want to make sure I am running out of time, but I want to make sure that's a good, I always say a good many starts on time and a great one ends on time. So I'm going to try, but I'm not, I don't think I'm going to accomplish it because I'm you're compelling. So thanks, <laughs> uh, but here's number three. Uh, my third question for you is: you know, how should contractors share options to create a better experience for better results?
0: Yeah, I think it's uh, you know, the mindset. I know you're the options mindset. I've always been of that way as well. We we say options, not you know ultimatums, right? Give people choices, and they'll make good choices. And so, I in some scenarios though, we have to tell customers where they have no choices. That's where we talk about code, safety, functionality, pre-existing conditions, comorbidities, you know. The things that we're going to do that you don't really get a choice on because we have to do those, right? And then once I share those things with you, I then share with you the things you have choices on. And I approach it from, in this, in this order, airflow, and I give you a replace, renovate, or repair, and repair options. Air quality, I share with you the items as a la carte, as well as bundled solutions on our air quality. And then air conditioning, right, where we're heating and cooling the air. And we have seven levels of options that are available. It's brand neutral. It's basically, the equipment becomes plug and play once we do the aforementioned things. And then I share with them the third thing, which is enhancements, things that they can do now to improve and enhance things, you know, take things to the next level or build the perfect home environment over time. And that might be things like, again, could be some air quality stuff, could be a generator, could be a, a water heater, you know, something else that they can they can add to the solution. The nice thing about that is, is if you do it now, we roll it into one small payment option and um, you beat inflation. So- um i use a generic investment guide it's like a menu it's like going to a restaurant it's printed we lay it out in front of them we share with them all their options we lead with payment plans because the majority of consumers are are, are payment-based customers and then we wrap it in a security blanket uh, of peace of mind protections and assurances to remove that risk and reverse the risk put it all squarely on our shoulders where it belongs
1: wow drew that is a mouthful and uh... You just unfolded the whole sales process in about <laughs> three minutes, right there. <laughs> good job on that. I you so? It's like I, I try to think if you left something out, but I think you covered it all. Uh, if the, I'm not sure if everybody can. If I, I want to put it on pause as he's going through that list, though, because you were you were shooting it out pretty good. Now, Drew, uh, this is just the tip of the iceberg. If uh, sure. people want to do what I did and learn from Drew Cameron, uh, how can they do that? How can uh, people become more involved with Drew Cameron? And I and I. Definitely, I'll put it this way, everybody. Uh, for every dollar you invest in Drew Cameron, you're going to get at least a thousand back. Because <laughs> so I, oh, I have, <laughs> I've gotten hundreds of thousands of dollars back for every dollar I invested in him. And uh, I even even if I do buy him a nice dinner or cigar someday, I'll still be I'll still be behind uh, behind I'll be behind my payback there, Drew. But uh, <laughs> what can I do to help pay it forward for you to make sure that uh, you know people can get involved with you and they can learn from you?
0: Well, I appreciate it, John. I appreciate you having me on here and everybody tuning in and listening. And you know, the way you know, what I always say is the way we get better is together. And so, if uh, people think what I'm saying is a fit, they can go to FlowOdyssey.us or reach me at Drew at FlowOdyssey.us or just you'll know, reach out to me directly 610-745-7020. What's that phone number one more time? 610-745-7020. That's my cell. You can call me or text me. If you're texting me, let me know who you are because you're probably not in my context.
1: Great. And I will give you special credit too for having, he's from Philadelphia and he still said the word water heater like <laughs> a normal person did. <laughs> but Drew, thanks a lot. This is uh, a very few times I have uh, so much fun. I shouldn't get paid for it. And this is one of those times. Drew, thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate uh, you being here with us.
0: Appreciate you, brother.
1: All right. Thanks for going. Have a good one, everybody. We'll see you on the next episode.